Right on, right on, right on. Hey, welcome back to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff, and this is a very important announcement just before we get into the episode. If you haven't noticed in the last few days the censorship that is going on, you have not been online at all. All of the major tech companies are banning content like this. Why? Because they're being exposed. They are afraid. Most major accounts have gone down now across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. All of these shows have been gone. So what I'm going to ask of you is to please like, subscribe, and share this episode just to get the information out and to keep it strong. We're going to reach out to all of our brothers and sisters whose platforms got taken away because we are still going and I'm going to invite each one of them to come on the show and let us know where they've landed, what their backups are, and also just interview them about the process. So this is ongoing. I'm going to be reaching out in the next few days. Please do like, subscribe, and share. So on this episode, we're going to revisit the Netherlands with a really great update. You know, we covered some tough topics in uh, episode 25, which is the very first episode on the Netherlands we did, but we got together and a difference has been made. There's some good stuff coming on. Uh, You're going to hear a couple of what I felt were heartwarming stories during this broadcast, but there's also some more salacious stuff that was just up the road and out front and exposed. Right on radio. Right on radio. And welcome back to Right on Radio. My name is Jeff and I'm here with... Jesse. Jesse's boater is back, of course, and this is a follow-up episode, but this episode, although the topic may be dark, there is some light shining, and it is a follow-up to our Netherlands podcast, which was episode 25. If you did not listen to that, and I know many of you did, because it was actually the highest rated one-day download that we had ever had in the history of the show when we did it on the Netherlands. And what was so impactful about the Netherlands is, first of all, our guest Miriam really touched people's heart because she shared her personal story. But then we we realized that because of the dense population and the small geography that the Netherlands has, we could really make a difference in prayer. So today, we're going to see if some if that prayer has had some effect. Miriam, welcome back to Right On Radio. Thank you, Jeff. It's wonderful to be back. So, Miriam, last time you were here, uh, we promised to follow up. So here we are, because on this show, Jesse and I, when we give a commitment, we're going to do it. And this story is very important, as every life is important. But in the Netherlands, you were facing some turmoil. There was going to be a meeting of your Congress that was going to discuss some of the uh, violence against children and some of the abuse and the other things that have been going on. And then it was going to be followed up by a rally, and you had really big challenges with both of those. Can you give us an update of what happened first with the Congress? Yeah, well, um, the debate that was going to take place on the 6th of October was cancelled 
And um, so there you are, and there are survivors around you, and we all are disappointed. And we had plans, some of them have even booked hotels um, to stay the night after the debate because it was in the evening. And you're there with empty hands. And so, what was the reason for the cancellation, Miriam? Coronavirus. Oh, how can... While other debates did take place. Yeah, it was It was a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, it was a bit nasty. But anyway, um, so here you are, you're sitting there and like, is everything lost now? But then there were those um, members of Congress who were going to ask questions about the subject about the horrific abuse that has been taking place and still is taking place. And um, those two of the three were very smart because some days later there was another um, debate about a subject that was relatively close to the original subject of that cancelled meeting. Uh, it was about the rights of victims of crimes. And they didn't announce the fact that they were going to ask their questions in this other debate. And they asked their questions. The one question was, we would really love to have a survey in the Netherlands, an investigation of ritual abuse. And um, of the multitude of it, uh, the size, um, the number of victims, etc. And the other question was, there is this um, organization that is, yeah, supposedly helping the police to determine whether charges that are pressed by victims of this abuse are having a chance in the whole prosecution. Process. Yeah, the prosecution and. Um, that organization, I told the last time that I was with you, um, was not a very good organization in like helping the victims because they were having a, their first goal was um, making sure that nobody would be prosecuted for something they didn't do. And hey, what's the name of this organization that's not very good? Um, in Dutch, the abbreviation of it is LEBZ, which means in English, let me look that up here, it's um, the National Expert Team of Special Sex Offenses. Okay, okay so, uh, so been, they've been covering up or basically erring on the side of the perpetrator to the point yeah. where victims' crimes are not even getting looked at. The Even if they have evidence, they were not even being considered because this group was protecting anybody who was considered a perpetrator. It's almost a parallel to what we have here where protective services really isn't looking out for the best interests of, uh, of the people they're supposed to be protecting. Exactly. Well, this organization is actually... Um, even more complicated if it comes to what they are doing, I am starting to discover that they are downright gatekeepers. Um, because they 
have also meddled in the development of a new standard of um, therapy for people with dissociative disorder. And many of these victims that we are talking about do have dissociative disorder, actually all of them. And um, this new standard was going to be a good standard, but this LEBZ uh, meddled with it and wrote an alarming letter in order to stop that process of developing that good new standard. And um, they were, they are like an organ, an organization that is actually originating in the police. So what in the world does an organization like that what do? You know, what business does it have in a standard that is developed by therapists, by, you know, yeah, so, health workers? So, so the very people who were taking reports on these crimes were now the same people who were being gatekeepers for the mental health of these survivors through through the law is that what we're hearing um well yeah it is it is a bit complicated because they will always know um how to talk themselves out of this but um it their um duty is to look at complicated cases when somebody a victim of ritual abuse is pressing charges and they will decide for the police if um, it is possible to actually take on this case and um, start investigations or continue investigations and if you have like a first priority of protecting the per uh, the perpetrators then that is not the very good thing for the victims. So, so the, the, this is starting to shine a light on the way things work, and they're very parallel over here. They make it yeah. complicated on purpose. So I want to get back to the two questions that were asked and what happened as a fruit of that. But just before we do, Jesse, this organization that came out of the police that's this protective organization, that sounds like those bricklayers. Yeah, it really does. Um, we've talked a lot about those bricklayers and how they've um, they you know started off where they were involved in the system and causing the abuse of those victims, and then later um, came back as those victims' therapists and the only specialists who could deal with those victims. So. It, it sounds much like yeah. the same thing. Or like the great faction that we just did on the other day. Yeah, we brought out those bricklayers on, on Gray Faction, and we encourage anybody to go check out what Gray Faction has to say about those bricklayers. So, <laughs> Well, thank the Lord that um, there is um, some light shining at the end of this tunnel because... Um, I'm starting to explain about this LEBZ, but um, the question was like, hey, how can we stop the LEBZ? That was the question of the politicians to begin with. So they also asked that during that other debate, unexpectedly. So they really surprised the state secretary of justice. 
And what was but, the reaction? Well, the reaction normally in Dutch politics is that you will ask, you will uh, file a request for something. Um, requests like, how can we make sure that LEBZ is doing its work properly? Or how can we start an, uh, a, an investigation about SRA in the Netherlands? So, um, the so slow walk it until step, it gets out of the media. I'm sorry? Slow walk it until it gets out of the media attention and it disappears. That's always the technique these people of do. Of course. But this time it went rather fast because another day there will be voting in the Dutch Congress or House of Representatives. And um, when the voting was there two days ago, they voted for the investigation about Yay. SRA in the Netherlands. And they didn't only vote for with um, a majority. No, they did it uh, unanimously. Unanimously? Yes. Okay, so for the listening audience, be assured if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. You can tell this tree to uproot itself. So we're facing a terrible situation where they canceled the median media or the meeting due to COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But yet they have this other meeting. These two guys that the Lord sent in, in my opinion, just my opinion only, brought this up, and now it's led to a unanimous decision. Unanimous. This is God's hand at work. Thank you to everyone out there who prays. And this is further evidence that really dig in on this because the Netherlands can really be a good example for many parts of the world to start to follow suit. And just because of the geography, the density, the population, as I mentioned earlier, it's much easier for us to do our job. God's always there with his intention, but he wants people to move. And just because of the circumstances in the Netherlands, this is possible. Miriam, that is such amazing news. A round of clap for my Lord. Yeah, yeah, it was really an answer to prayer. And um, the question that they, um, the request they filed about the LEBZ is um, on hold for now. So the voting will um, happen later for that subject. So that is my call for you guys to pray for that the lord apparently is allowing us extra time to pray into that lebz situation so and um yeah so that was a huge surprise but there is um the next little bit of sorrow of course because you can look at this um vote from two sides um the one side is like wonderful the lord has answered all our prayers the other side is let's remain um vigilant and remain careful and really pray now that the right team will be assembled in order to do this investigation a team that is truly independent and that is truly having members that are absolutely not going to be blackmailed or um, threatened by the system you know because 
that is the only chance that we really will have an honest investigation. Well, I think you nailed it, Marion, when you said the Lord has given us extra time to pray into it. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I just feel that. So, you know, Jesse. <laughs> I agree. And, you know, I want to know in this too is, um, you know, how, how are the survivors and the advocates holding up? Because we also need to be in prayer for them. You know, what was it like for them to, you know, hear this? How did they feel about that? Well, they were, um, yeah, we were all going through the roof, you know, we were so happy. And we, I think um, part of, of our group could not really believe it in the first instance. And it's like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What can I say? You know, um, but I myself, I am being careful and trying to not lose track of um, details that really need prayer. Mm -hmm. So, so was it, um, I know you guys had all gathered and I want you to tell us about that, but where did this um, vote or decision fall in place with that gathering that you guys all had? This is the rally on the 11th. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, the rally was on the 11th and the vote was a few days after that. Um, but yeah, the rally, that was something totally, that was something else, you know. So it, it tell us about this because you and I had exchanged some emails and, and some messages and, you know, a lot of bikers showed up and, you know, that uh, is a reassuring, uh, you know, a, a, a meat shield, you might say, to make people feel safe. And uh, so tell us about the rally. Yeah, well, the rally was um, not a very big rally. Um, we are estimating about 100 people who came. Um, when I arrived, um, there was police coming in and they were like, they had a lot of police coming in, even um, riot police waiting in their big, huge buses. And I'm like, what is happening here? And the story goes that um, other people could want to join this rally and start riots. And so the police was there to protect us and everybody against that. Anyway, so um, yeah. and. The whole rally was um, existing of um, speeches of survivors, mainly survivors or family members of survivors. And um, there were 18 of them. I was one of them. And there was the mother of um, a girl who was, yeah, raped numerous times and, yeah, had horrible things done to her by elite man in the city of The Hague, which was actually around the corner of where the rally was. The Hague is a city that is really, really close to the sea. And um, there is this small town close to The Hague that is right at the sea called Scheveningen. And on the boulevard at the beach, that's where we had the rally. So just just before you continue, just for context, can you explain the importance of what Hague is? 
Hague. The Hague, oh right. The city of The Hague is um, the city where the Dutch government seats. In many countries, the capital is the place where the government seats, but um, in the Netherlands, it's not in Amsterdam, but in The Hague. There's also an international court for war crimes in The Hague. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so, the Hague is an important place for our country, but also internationally. Yeah, that—that's exactly what I wanted to get out. So, yeah, and so you being on the on the you know basically right at the the foothold of of yeah. that is very important because I think it sends a message. And and just before you continue with the story, uh, and just I, I'm I'm forming a picture in my mind of what the rally looked like by your descriptions. And with about only about a hundred people or whatever, and that that's listen, that's good enough because a hundred people can multiply by telling the stories further. But what I think is interesting is that all the police came and were the police able to hear these stories as well? I try to make as sure as possible by speaking as loud and clearly as possible in that microphone, I tell you. Um, there was a lot of wind, but later, after my speech, I heard of my friends who came back from um, a warm cup of tea in a street off the coast line. Um, they said all the way into the end of the street, we could understand word for word what you were saying. So that was a good thing. So that makes also, yeah. That answers your question as well. The police did hear, yeah. and so yeah. it, like it, so, there that that's a really important audience. Oh yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you're talking about this and, and the fact that they were sent in, again, I I just see the Lord's hand on this because it's so unusual. You wouldn't send riot police in that for a hundred people doing a peaceful victim protest essentially normally it just doesn't sound like regular ways well with the whole uh, COVID-19 thing um, there are there have been all kinds of rallies of different groups um, who were not agreeing with uh, the measures and unfortunately some non-protesters, I'm going to be euphemistic here, non-protesters who we call Romeos were sent in from the outside and caused riots. And they were dressed like the protesters. And, but anyway, they didn't, they wouldn't get a chance where I was on Sunday the 11th but yeah anyway um, so the rally existed of, of those speeches and those speeches were all kind of letters that the survivors read to their perpetrators mm. and it was like really really um, getting it out bringing it into light bringing it to words. And after the rally, at the very end of the day, we were going, the survivors were going to a place out of the strong wind. And we had a very big bin 
that was filled with those letters. The way it got filled was right before we were going to burn it, the victims were um, invited to walk towards that bin in between a hedge of protection to the left of the and the right of all those lined up bikers standing there <laughs> with their arms folded and you know that was such an incredible feeling you know it was something that i needed to feel because i never had felt that in my own country the feeling of protection knowing that those bikers also are saying we are not going to stop because we're tired we are only going to stop after it is all done and they were polite they were to me they felt like angels you know uh, and when we thanked them they would only say something like it's our job ma'am and pleasure ma'am nothing else you know but anyway um then um yeah at the end of the rally we um made those letters burn in that huge bin and the funny thing about it was like after it got burned the fire was not out yet and 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 we were going away <laughs> and somebody put a lid on that bin and what happened then was so funny because it was as if the bin imploded. Oh, there were like bins getting in from the left and the right and it made banging noises. And it was almost as if some kind of symbolic demons were like, yeah, being finished. Jesse, you gotta speak to that. I can, I can just see <laughs> your mind going. What's going on there, Jesse? No, I, I think that is just powerful imagery. And, um, you know, I, I can't imagine what that was like to hear that, to hear those noises going yeah. off after you have all these, you know, the, those letters represent these voices and people getting to say, this is what was done against me. And then to have this super... <laughs> natural I mean I'm sure there's a scientific reason for it you know yeah. when you put it on there but um, just how powerful no normally if you if you snuff a flame it just goes out that's not, not what I thought not if you there is certain things with different types of materials so it depends yeah. what material the bin was made out of yeah. okay and, and no matter how um, it was caused it was funny enough to us. <laughs> Listen, it, I'll take it as some reassurance. Yeah. You know, someone got beat up in there. Uh, can I ask a question? And, and, and there's no judgment in this uh, at, by any means, but with those victims' letters, and, and I know this would be very hard depending on how long you've had to, someone has had to heal and things like that, but because they were letters to the perpetrators, Marion, was there... Was there forgiveness in there? Um, yeah, um, I cannot speak for other people because um, sometimes some words were not said, 
but still they were spoken at by hearts of people. So I cannot look in other one, other, the other people's hearts, but I really felt the urge to make a statement myself. Um, in my letter, I explained in bird's flight what happened with the stalker and then the 22 years of stalking, uh, sorry, and the rapist, and then 22 years of stalking of him after that and the way the police let me down and the way um, that horrific um, court case followed where I lost to a judge who had been <laughs> a suspect in a pedophilia case a few years before. And, but anyway, um, at the end of my testimony, I said that I was gonna do something and that the that people would think differently about it possibly than I am thinking about it but I still wanted to make that statement and I was not going to mean to let my perpetrators off the hook with it no I said what I want to um, accomplish with it is that I am going to leave my per perpetrators in the hands of a higher judge and then I made a circle with my thumb and my index finger on my left hand and I said these are my perpetrators and I called them by first names and then I said and this is me and I made the same kind of circle with my right hand and linked those two circles in each other and then I said I left myself loose from that other circle, opened my hand and I said, I forgive you. And yeah, we still want me. justice to come, but you know, forgiveness and, and I don't mean to get into a preach here, but you know, it's, it's hard to forgive sometimes. And, and I've never been through what you've been. So, you know, <laughs> understand I'm not coming from the, the same place, but Forgiveness is for yourself. It isn't for the other person. <laughs> they don't benefit from it. You do. And I'll, I'll just say, Marion, you, you have such wisdom. And it, it's my prayers and thoughts are that that release truly is a full release. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you're, you'll carry on. And I do want to see justice happen. Uh, justice needs to happen, otherwise it the crimes keep happening. And we don't want any more victims. You, Miriam, you're, thousands and tens of thousands of people are going to be helped because of your testimony. Yeah, and you. you know, powerful imagery I know that our audience can't see, you know, the symbol that Marion was doing, but it was almost like she interlocked her hands like a, like a chain and then released herself from that chain and you know that very very powerful actually when you are saying this jesse um it reminds me of another um image of two interlocked hands mm -hmm. and that could actually bring me to a very important prayer subject um on this show today um because a bit 
further to the north on the same beach boulevard in Scheveningen, there is a museum and it's called the um, Statue Museum, something like that, Statues at the Seaside. And this museum is part of a complex of um, buildings that is um, dominated by the summer residence of a gentleman's society in The Hague called the Witte. And at that society, some questionable high up people are members. Um, some I have mentioned the previous show that I was on here with you. Um, very highly placed um, gentleman. And there is this strange thing. This museum is um, a part of that complex. And I discovered something thanks to um, um, somebody on Twitter calling himself himself the Blue Tiger. In Dutch, it's the Blauer Tiger. And he has a blog and he also has um, a uh, publishing company. This guy displayed some photos on his blog last week and he showed pictures of an exhibition on the boulevard in front of that museum of different statues. And he said about those statues, those are looking really weird and gruesome. What is that all about? So I took a closer look to those photos and I went to that place on the day of the um, rally and it shocked me to the core because what you see is called an exhibition called um, fairy tales at the seaside and it is supposed to be a gathering of fairy tales I am not seeing a lot of fairy tales in them but what I saw was statues in bronze of children in tiny little cages of a very big adult figure within his right hand a tiny little kid grabbing that kid around the neck with his left hand ready to smash the head of that little kid in his hand with a huge hammer there are images of adult figures eating children there is an image of three figures next to each other um, expressing a Dutch um, saying that resembles the saying hear no evil see no evil there were many figures kids figures with keys in their hands what I made of it was that, well, keys are um, code for Masonic people. They the bricklayers. Bricklayers, yes. <laughs> and the bricklayers, they, um, when they show a key, 
that means that they are reminded by the fact that they should keep things to themselves and they um, that in combination with hear no evil see no evil and that in combination with all the imagery of what was done to tiny child's figures in this exhibition it made it so symbolic because in the morning when i was on my way to the rally i passed by that museum with that exhibition and then hardly like 750 yards further down the road there was the rally where hear no evil see no evil was broken people spoke out so I, I just have a couple questions and and you know wow you know the the enemy is fighting obviously and symbolism is going to be their downfall but it you mentioned this is on Seaside Drive, and, and so how close is this to water? Um, it is um, a few tens of steps from the beach. That's interesting. And and do do uh, is the water deep? Um, I don't know exactly how deep the sea is in the Netherlands, but. Uh, but, so there would be commercial traffic and stuff like that. Big boats could go down. I guess so. If you are far, far enough into the sea. Yeah. Okay. So Jesse, you know where I'm going with this. It just seems that a lot of these places all are near water access and water's been coming up a lot. And even, you know, the, the our friends of the cucumber club, keep saying watch the water and then near water there's usually tunnels and tunnels tend to go to secret societies and by the way museums are very much implicated in these because a lot of times museums are really where these tunnels lead to and things like that uh, museums are perfect they have typically very high security because of the value of goods and things like that in it. Um, they're not under a lot of scrutiny because when they're closed, they're closed. Yeah. And there's yeah. usually more than, because of the size of them and they're connected to other buildings, there's usually more than one way in where people can go in and out undetected. Yeah, yeah exactly. And there are a lot that are, that are under surveillance right now because of those mm -hmm. factors so yeah 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 it um, to me it shows um the way that um those high up are mocking the average people but also threatening those who are captive And that hurts a lot, um, and it angers me. Yeah, it's it's like no matter where you go, you're always seeing those those images of of the hurt, the pain. There's always things alluding to the crimes that were done against people. So as survivors go to these places, you know, that's what they see are these images that remind them of their abuse. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's all done on purpose. And it, it's in there, it's it's in your face, and they're trying to normalize this. And that's part of the reason why they're doing the public displays. There's been a huge campaign to normalize this and to put it into people's faces. And, you know, because their plan is in about five years, it will be normal. Um, but that won't happen. That will not happen. Um, not in five years. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's my goal. So... Where do we go from here, Mary? And give us some specific things to pray about. Of course, we have the uh, that this right committee to or independent investigation. They appoint the right people. But what's yeah. next? What what else can what else can our listeners join in prayer and work uh, on? I think I think that um, prayer warriors might um, help us a lot if they join in prayer against the strongholds in the Netherlands, over the Netherlands, because the strongholds over um, the abuse and the practices of the perpetrators are so, so gigantic and still so intact. So uh, what I, I, I'm really particular about getting more specific in prayer so listen prayer is a power it's a it really is a power and i like to measure results and that's not putting god to it it's like but i want to be able to give him testimony when yeah. when something is accomplished so when you can you name one or two of those strongholds specifically so we can go after it um I think the big separation between um, truth and the narrative is something that is a bigger problem in the Netherlands than in the US at the moment, I guess. Um, so the narrative, and that, so that's the, the public voice, the news media. And stuff the like that. Media is so um, is in 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 a blatant war with um, many people. Um, like the YouTube purge that started was pretty blatant to begin with, but in the Netherlands today, they found a new scoop in the media, and that is that the poor, poor, poor journalists are being threatened and that it is going out of control and that the state um, broadcasting company, the NOS, needs to go in um, neutral cars instead of cars with their logos because otherwise they are being so, so attacked that, you know, and, and, and what is happening with that is that in the Netherlands, they're uh, very good at linking and associating because everybody who has some form of, yeah, um, criticism against the mainstream media now will be associated with violence. 
danger. <laughs> and um, this is the world they all flavor. will attack those cars probably. Um, and and so so that is a big problem in the Netherlands because I can go back a few weeks um, right after we were in our show. Um, we were attacked brutally through the mainstream media because um, there were some survivors they they had they were approached by a journalist and the question was there are some uh, situations where um, the cucumber club is not so political uh, or diplomatical if it comes to um, posting gruesome pictures and those gruesome pictures sometimes might trigger some of the survivors How, what do you think of that what are your thoughts and um, so we were just giving our honest answers and then later when it was on television it appeared to turn out as ugh, an item that was totally against the Cucumber Club and it was only about the Cucumber Club and how it also had been infesting the Netherlands and how um, they were e even infiltrating the groups of survivors on social media and during protests and that they were potentially dangerous and then there was an example of a politician that was harassed, who was harassed on the street by two or three people. And those were not representing the Cucumber Club at all. They might have had some signs of the club on their t-shirt or whatever, but you know how this goes, you know? Um, anyway, um, the thing was that it was brought as if everything and anything the Cucumber Club members would post on social media or spread by um, speak, spoken word, that that was nonsense and conspiracy theory and total fairy tales, which includes our problem the ritual abuse Marian, so we were <laughs> this is so, so i'm i'm going to i'm going to do what the mainstream media does i'm going to spin this and so, here's how i'm going to do it first of all this is what's happening worldwide uh, in britain they just announced that they're going to be ramping up going against this in the, in the united states and canada the war is definitely on against it. It's even making it into the presidential interviews and things like that. So here's the good news. When does an enemy spend ammunition? Exactly. Um, they won't do it unless they're backed into a corner or something like that. They're not on the offensive right now. They're on the defensive. And we're right over the target, bombs away. So this is good, and and so what we're going to do is, and Jesse, I'm going to put you on the spot here, if you don't mind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jesse, because Jesse is such a, a golden prayer warrior, 
I'm going to ask her to lead us in a short prayer, which is a great example that people can continue on, uh, you know, throughout their time, add it to your prayer list, however you track it. But I want to pray for this specific thing, uh, for the messaging, for the narrative to be broken. Uh, but let's keep in mind the Netherlands, the United States, and I'm going to include Canada as well, because Canada is a pipeline to the United States, Toronto in particular. It's a, it's a real, really bad hub uh, for, for this sort of thing. And, uh, and, you know, quite honestly, I love the Netherlands. I've never been there. I want to come. But if the United States falls, the world's gone. It, it's really that simple. So, Jesse, would you be willing to lead prayer and then and then people at home please duplicate this and uh, and add your own words but thank you jesse yeah dear lord we come before you and we know that your word says that if we will break down the strongholds that you will drive out the enemy from before us so we come before you and we we stand firm lord knowing that you are faithful to do everything that you have promised to do so, Lord, we lay down before your feet this stronghold of this narrative that the enemy keeps putting out there before us, Lord. And we ask right now, Jesus, we ask that our voices would be heard on high and that you would break this chain of wickedness, that you would break this yoke of oppression that has been over the Netherlands, over the United States, over Canada, Lord. Remove this yoke and chain of this oppressive media, of this oppressive narrative, Lord. We ask that you would go before us and that your spirit would put the enemy to flight, that they would be so terrified, um, of they would hear rumors even of the work of your hand, and that they would be so terrified that they would run and flee and hide and tremble in their hiding places, Lord. I think back to Israel, Lord, and how you went before them and that the enemy would just hear the sound or rumors that, that you and your people were coming and, and they would just be absolutely terrified. So Lord, I ask that you would send this out, that you would go before us, that you would make a way that our voices would continue to be heard. Lord, you have, you have given us the right to be heard you want to hear the songs that we have to sing so i ask that instead of the oppression and the silence that now the songs would break forth and that they would be heard upon these mountaintops that um you would just bring hundreds of thousands of voices together and that it would be so loud that just as Marion was speaking out in that microphone and it could be he heard blocks and blocks away, Lord. So I ask that the enemy would not be able to silence or quiet or keep our voices from being heard by everyone around the world, Lord. We ask for this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And when more than two were gathered, two or more gathered, your word says, Lord, let it be done. Marion, I thank you so much for everything you're doing. I thank you for being in this battle. I thank you for your courage. I thank the other people in the Netherlands for standing up behind this. We are behind the Netherlands and we're gonna keep in touch with you. We're gonna follow this story 
So thanks again for being, would you come back on? Oh yeah, I would love to, yeah. Okay, and Jessie had, had her hand up there. Yeah, well we had one more thing um, for Illuminate the Darkness this next month. Um, the Netherlands is going to be our prayer focus as well as um, our financial focus. So uh, we do have a Patreon for Illuminate the Darkness. And um, this next month, we're going to focus on funneling all that money to um, our individuals in the Netherlands who are going to these protests and rallies um, to help pay for, you know, traveling and hotel costs and things like that. So you know, if, if you're really invested in this and, and you want a, um, an avenue where you can really help and support the survivors there in the Netherlands, this is a great way to do it. So I would encourage people to visit us on our site, um, Illuminate the Darkness. Uh, we have a lot of different tabs on there where you can um, be caught up and see exactly what is going on on a regular basis there. And um certainly please hit that Patreon button and uh, know that, you know, the financial blessing that you're providing is going so that the survivors can continue to allow their voices to be heard in this fight. And as someone who has studied financial stewardship, the Lord's word on it for more than 20 years, I can tell you, particularly if you do this above your tithe, if you are a tithing person, this is your heavenly bank account. This is your treasures in heaven. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a prosperity preacher or anything like that. I'm just using God's word. But God will multiply that for you. He will. And, you know, so just give because there's nothing more important than people. And when people have suffered at the hands of these types of monsters we really got to get behind them and support it. So again, uh, Marion is from the website. So is Jesse. There's three more, but it is illuminate the darkness. There is a Patreon on there. This isn't for us. This isn't to get rich quick. We, we fly coach. In fact, we don't fly at all anymore, <laughs> but you know, they, they're literally oh, this. Walking swim. <laughs> that's right. This is uh, this is a direct thing. So please keep it up in your prayers. Visit the website. Uh, and and also, for more information on this, you can go to at Kathy, Kathy Fox. That's on Twitter, Kathy with a C, both times. But go to Illuminate the Darkness. It's such a great resort. Miriam, Jesse, I want to thank you again for being on Right On Radio. And remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Right on radio. Right on radio.